Welcome to the Helping Families Be Happy podcast, where we explore the often messy world of family, love, and relationships. I'm your host for this podcast, Christopher Robbins, husband, father of nine, founder of Familias, fly fisherman, and outdoor enthusiast living in the beautiful California Central Valley. For the video of this podcast, please view it on the Familias YouTube channel. We welcome today's guest, Bree DeRosa. Now, Bree is a freelance writer and communications consultant with a background in creative and dramatic writing, arts education, and service learning. She spent over a decade working in program development and creative initiatives, largely for nonprofits and small businesses. Bree has been the content manager at the Family Dinner Project since 2014 has contributed to three cookbooks and practices her family dinner skills every night at home with her husband and two teenage sons. You can learn more about the Family Dinner Project at familydinnerproject.org and by enjoying their book, Eat, Laugh, Talk, the Family Dinner Playbook, available wherever books are sold. Today, we're talking about books and and particularly what to do for holiday meals and those recipes that we want to make and how to have that be a wonderful experience. So the podcast aligns with the familiar habits, eat together, learn together, talk together, and read together. You can learn more about the familiar 10 habits of happy families by going to the habit of blog on familiar.com. Now, Bree, it's your second time with us, but thank you for joining us again. I'm really happy to be here. Thanks for having me back. So let's give our audience a quick update again. What can you tell us about the Family Dinner Project and what's happening with Family Dinner? Yeah, so it's a great question. The Family Dinner Project is a nonprofit program of Massachusetts General Hospital Psychiatry Academy. We've been around for over a decade now. And what we do is basically we exist because there are decades of research that tell us that families benefit from eating regular meals together. There are physical benefits, social benefits, academic benefits, mental health benefits, the list goes on, right? But only about 30% of families actually manage to get to the table on a regular basis and share family meals. So that's a huge gap between the possible benefits to families and the ability to make it happen. So the Family Dinner Project exists to be the how. We provide food, fun, and conversation resources for families to make it much easier and more rewarding to reap the benefits of family meals. Well, that sounds like a really important thing to do. And we're glad that you're reaching out to that, perhaps that 70% who's not having their family dinner. Now, the holidays are upon us. And this can be a stressful time. Now, do we really need to go over the river and through w- the woods to get to grandmother's house for this family dinner? Is, are there other options that we might explore? Yeah, there are tons of other options. And I'm really glad you brought that up, right? So first of all, I always want to encourage people at the holidays to remember a few things. One is that family can mean your family of origin. It can mean blood relatives, but it can also mean the people that you value who make you feel loved and safe. So there are a lot of people out there who can't make it over the river and through the woods or who for many reasons may not have a close relationship with a blood relative family of origin that they feel they can spend the holidays with. If that's the case for you, there are lots of choices. One is you could have friend holidays 
family of choice holidays. You can also, if you love your family of origin, but they're just too far away, you can do things like Zoom holidays. We actually have on our website a whole guide to having virtual family dinners. And we have on our Thanksgiving hub, a Thanksgiving virtual care package, which could also be used for other holiday gatherings, which has all kinds of resources that are intended for you to be able to share those out with people far away whom you love and want to spend the holidays with, but you can't get there physically. And you can both have a shared experience at your tables, even though you're miles apart. That's, that's really interesting. We love that idea. And the fact that we could have, <laughs> you know, you can choose your friends, but you can't always choose your family. You've given us an opportunity to, to explore that, right? Yeah, okay. absolutely. Absolutely. Now, we all are interested in what we're making. Like, I, I break the rules sometimes. So, you know, one Thanksgiving, I refused to make turkey. Instead, made two prime ribs with Yorkshire pudding, and no one complained. So... <laughs> I can't imagine anyone, unless they're vegetarian, I can't right. imagine anyone complaining well, we, about that. We yeah. always have those dishes as well. But so help us understand, what is it that we should be focusing on during those holiday gatherings that will make them memorable, that will make them a positive experience? The first thing is research actually shows that it's less about like the frequency of your family meals and more about how positive the connection is that actually confers the most benefit to you. So if you're going to have this family holiday gathering, you want it to be memorable, you want it to be meaningful. The way to do that is to focus much more on what happens at the table and during your interactions. So we've had families who, you know, for example, we interacted with one family a few years ago who was like, you know what? We're tired. We're stressed. We're going to have a family holiday. But instead of cooking, we are actually going to support local businesses by getting takeout from a variety of different restaurants that we really value so that they know they have our business. They know that we value them. We're supporting them and we don't have to worry about the food at all. That frees us up to actually have a stronger connection. And they planned a whole great thing. They had a PJ party <laughs> with takeout and movies and games. And everybody got really excited about that time together because there was no stress. So Take the focus off. If you're like me, you love making food, right? So in my house, we're always going to cook. But take the focus off like making it the most perfect thing ever, right? Make the couple of dishes that are super meaningful to you. Take the time to tell the stories about why those dishes are important. Where did they come from? Who taught you to make this? Why do we make this every year, right? Pass that down, that family history. And maybe even extend that opportunity to, you could do something like a family photo caption contest, bring out some old pictures from albums from years gone by, uh, put them up around the room or pass them around the table, let people make up their own funny captions. See if you can have some fun with your family history. You can play some family history games. Or this year we have, we have a storytelling prompt up on our website, some different questions that you can ask yourselves and ask each other to tell stories that are really meaningful to you and help your family get down to why is it important that we gather? Why is this day together special? That's wonderful. And I would put a plug in. I love this idea of this, maybe an heirloom dinner, right? Or learning about the stories of where we came from and the foods and the history behind why we choose these foods. An idea that our audience might enjoy is going to familysearch.org, 
which is a site that's free that allows you to identify your own family tree, your ancestors, and it has fun activities and games that you can put your birth year, your ancestors' birth year, and what are some unique things that were going on in history during those times. So it sounds like there's a lot of things that we can do, not just sit down and eat. Absolutely. And that's, you know, we have tons and tons and tons of dinner games on our site. We have like printable placemats with interview questions. So if you are eating dinner maybe with family that you don't see all the time, this is especially great for like multi-generational gatherings. Maybe you've got kids who don't know that much about the grandparents or the great aunts and uncles who are showing up at the door. Print out the interview placemats, put them on the table, let the kids ask these questions of the people who are in their lives and joining you for this holiday. And you can learn a lot about each other. You can do, you could put paper tablecloths down and draw family trees. You could do any number of things that are really centered around getting to know each other a little bit better and really taking the time to have fun together. You can play trivia games. You can play, uh, we've got one game where you ask some questions in advance and people put their answers in a hat and then you draw the answer out and you try to guess who gave that answer right? Mm. Which is another fun way to kind of reconnect and get to know each other in a different way. And all these resources are available at familydinnerproject.org. What a wealth of information to help us with enjoying this. Now let's, let's get to some of the tricky things. So we're at dinner, you know, there's, there's these conversations that are awkward. They can become volatile, you know, whether it's politics or religion, and the country has become fairly divided about some of these things. So how do we manage and navigate those issues? Yeah, so that's really tricky. And I think it's, if we're being honest, it's only getting harder as time goes on, right? And I think there are lots of different ways that you can approach this. One is if you know ahead of time that this is something your family struggles with. I mean, I think we all we all have a sense or most of us have a sense, right? If we are super politically divided or otherwise ideologically divided. And if family dinners can kind of become a hot button around certain topics, one thing you can do is you can take the brave and upfront approach and you can get in touch with people ahead of time. And you can say, listen, we love spending time with you. We love seeing you. I'm asking that this holiday be a no politics zone, right? We're not going to talk about this. If you have a sense of humor about it, you could do like the old swear jar technique. This is the politics jar technique. You got to put a quarter in the jar. Every time somebody says something that they know is a bomb they're dropping at somebody at that table, put it in the jar. We're not talking about this today. Let's talk about other things and have some conversation starters ready. We have hundreds of them on our site. We have cut apart ones that are specifically for the holidays. Print them out, cut them up, put them in a jar. This is what we can talk about, right? Have things ready to go to fill that space. That's one thing you can do. The other thing is, if it comes up, you know, takes you by surprise and there's tension building at your table, first of all, you can stop and you can say, you know what? This is a time to remember why we're together and what we love about each other. I'd like us all to take a break. Let's do something fun together or let's maybe walk away for five minutes. And when we come back, we're going to start with things we're grateful for. And just stop it in its tracks, redirect, move it to something else. 
It may not work. I can't promise you that every family member is going to be receptive to this, but I think it's okay to hold some boundaries around the holiday and try to redirect those behaviors to something positive. Great advice. Someone needs to play referee and make sure that we get it back to the direction we want it to go, which is fun, conversations, love, you know, renewing those friendship bonds. Okay. Now I have a child who's neurodivergent and sometimes that can create challenges for family who come over. How can we help our families who have children or family members that are neurodivergent have a wonderful experience and those who are coming have a wonderful experience? Yeah, such an important question. I want to put in a plug for this one area of our website. It's called The Welcoming Table, an initiative that we've been working on with a variety of different experts across fields of pediatric medicine and speech and language therapy and occupational therapy and all areas of neurodivergent specialties, right? And it's called, so it's The Welcoming Table. It's available at thefamilydinnerproject.org slash welcoming dash table. And, or you can just search welcoming table on our site, but it's a variety of articles and resources exactly devoted to this. There are a few things that I would say right off the bat. So first of all, again, just like with family members and tension, you want to set the stage, if at all possible, to make things comfortable for your neurodivergent child. So for example, if you're not hosting, you know, you're going to somebody else's house, you might call ahead and you might say, Hey, sister-in-law. My child sometimes has some challenges around big family gatherings. Here are the reasons why. Sensory issues, social overwhelm, anxiety, whatever those things are, right? Here's a few reasons why this can be really hard for my kid. I want to make a plan so that everybody feels comfortable. Is there a space that we can designate and agree on when we get there that can be the quiet, safe space for this child? So if they do start to get overwhelmed and need a break, I can take them there and we just know that that's a place they can go and we can set that up for them so they they have someplace safe and comfortable, right? Can we agree that they're going to be able to, for example, sit on the end seat at the table so that they don't feel squished in and boxed in and they can easily get up and down as needed to take those breaks? Can we agree that I'm going to bring safe foods for them? They have a sensory challenge, a limited diet. Holidays are not the time to try to make a child eat more neurotypically. I mean, there's probably not ever a good time to make a child eat more neurotypically. We respect this child's food needs and we want to make sure that during the holiday, they're not pressured. So it's not anything against you, but I'm going to bring the mac and cheese or I'm going to bring the, the brand of chicken nuggets. We'll just heat it up for them. And I just wanted to make sure that we're all on the same page, right? Set the expectations and then set the, the expectations with the child. You know, honey, we are going to see the family and it's really important that we go and have that family time. But let's talk about maybe you're going to stay at the table just for about five minutes and talk with everybody. And then you can go to your safe space. You can hang out, chill out. And then maybe you can come back for dessert. Maybe you can share your favorite joke with your cousins and have this activity that you're going to do together so you know what to expect, right? All of these little things that you can do to make the child more comfortable and make the rest of the family understand a little bit better how to make this an accessible, welcoming space for that child. And I'm so glad you brought up diet restriction. And we have two children who have soy allergies. 
And this becomes a real issue if we have to go someplace. So understanding what foods they can and cannot eat, just minimizing uncertainty for all involved is an appropriate thing to do. So thank Absolutely. you. Okay, yeah. now let's, let's, do, let's ask something fun. So what, what are you making for Thanksgiving or what are your favorite holiday recipes? Oh, golly. Well, so for Thanksgiving, I've been joking about this because we're in a position this year where I'm hosting and I might have five people for Thanksgiving or I might have 20. And we literally just don't know right now. So the it's kind of fun and kind of exciting to not know. But the things we're making for Thanksgiving, we one of the family non-negotiables is a New York style crumb cake. That's dessert. We always, it's my husband's family is very into this crumb cake. So I'm going to be making that for sure. And I always, always, always love to make stuffing the way my mother and my grandmother made it, which I'm sure is very controversial, but they took all the innards from the turkey and made like a mousse out of it and put that in the stuffing. If you eat Thanksgiving at my house and you never knew that, that's what's in the stuffing and that's why it tastes good. So don't, <laughs> don't give me anything about that. Yeah, we, you know what? We mix things up a lot from year to year, the different vegetable side dishes and whatnot, because it's fun. It's for us, the big non-negotiables are my 14-year-old son always makes the cranberry sauce. We always make whatever rolls or bread we're having, we always make from scratch because I'm a big bread baker. And at Christmas time, I make all the, the sweet breads that my Swedish family taught me to make. And, you know, the rest of it is just, hey, what do we feel like this year? What sounds good? Mm. Uh, and we let people vote. What about you? What are you making? <laughs> well, I usually try to smoke. I try to smoke one turkey. And then I usually brine a turkey for three days and then and do a regular roast out of that, that turkey. Always garlic, rosemary, mashed potatoes with Parmesan cheese, and then usually a nice big salad. That I, that's a, just a fresh garden salad, but I love to put avocados and then dry blue cheese in it with just an olive oil, red wine, vinaigrette. As the, as the, always fresh rolls, hot out of the oven with real butter and then homemade raspberry or peach jam on them. And then, of course, we have that to... That sounds... Whatever it is, whether it's Christmas or New Year's or, or Thanksgiving, we always have to have a cranberry apple pie, an apple pie, and definitely two pumpkin pies. So, And some of those pies, like if you happen to have peaches in season, like we do sometimes in California, the unfortunate thing about peach pie is that it has to be eaten the same day. And so yeah, it doesn't we'll keep. make two pies and then make sure that we eat both of them completely. But that's that's kind of what we do. <laughs> well, that's you taking one for the team. And I got to say, your menu actually sounds like sort of the very California version of what I'm probably going to be doing this year. I always do garlic mashed potatoes as well. I leave out the Parmesan cheese because I have a neuro neurodivergent child who is a really great eater. But Parmesan cheese is one of the things that really kind of like just sets them off. So no Parmesan in ours. But garlic mashed potatoes. And we are also making a big salad, but we're doing like the East Coast, you know, wintry version. So kale salad with dates and pumpkin seeds in it. And then we'll have goat cheese for people to add as they will. So it's, Very you know, nice. a little, little mix and match, but it uh, sounds amazing. And I got to say, I love peach pie. I'm super jealous. New England had a terrible peach season this year. So uh, not happening here, but we might make a cranberry key lime. There you, oh, oh, now you've got my attention. Well, if we haven't whetted our audience's appetite or had got them interested in having a really wonderful you know, holiday get-together with their family and friends, well, we hope that you'll turn to the familydinnerproject.org 
and make sure that you get a copy of the Eat, Laugh, Talk, the Family Dinner Playbook, available at fibulinus.com or wherever books are sold. Now, Bree, before we let you leave, where can our guests find you online? Okay, so besides thefamilydinnerproject.org, you can find us on the socials. We're at Instagram, The Family Dinner Project. We are at Threads also now. Obviously, Facebook, The Family Dinner Project. We are at X, I guess we're calling it now, uh, FDP Tweets. Formerly Twitter. Formerly Twitter, yeah. The artist formerly known as Twitter. FDP underscore tweets. Yeah, that's pretty much, that's where you can find us as of this moment. Well, thank you so much for joining us today and giving us so much information. All right. Thanks for having me. As we conclude today's podcast, I'd like to thank Familias for the support in bringing this podcast to your ears and your heart. We'd be thrilled if you chose this podcast and subscribe unless have left us a review. And when you're ready for that next amazing book adventure, we'd be honored if you chose a book from Familias. One step at a time, one family dinner at a time, we can make the world a happier place. <laughs>